The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Sendo. For more information, visit villagesendo.org. So, good evening, everyone. Um, everyone here, wherever that is for you at that this moment. Um, God, it feels really good to have done that. Uh, I was in quite a state when I arrived. I had this plan, you know, as we do, that um, I have to drive to the Zendo from uh, Jersey City, that I was going to get here really early so I could get parking that would last me from five to seven, you know, so I left at like three o'clock to be sure to be here so that I could wait for the parking spot at five to get here to, you know, rehearse, just think about things, what have you. And apparently uh, there is a very large event happening at the UN <laughs> today that uh, I somehow missed. I mean, I was vaguely aware of it, but it just never occurred to me that that would ripple down to Tribeca. And uh, it didn't ripple, it was waves. I mean, it was just surreal. So I walked in the door after five, like, you know, it was just, it took two hours, what normally takes 35 minutes. Um, and on the way, I think I broke pretty much just about every precept <laughs> along the way. Anger, ignorance, greed, um, blame, what have you, it was all flying. Um, but then just walking in the door, getting settled, sitting, and then just all this bowing, you know, I could just feel it dropping, dropping, dropping away. And um, it's so nice when you're sitting there and you're looking up at the altar. I just got a chance to um, appreciate the flowers in a way that I often don't get to because I'm not just looking straight at them. And the flowers tonight, they're kind of, it's like a very raucous arrangement. Um, there's a lot of energy in those flowers. And uh, that's good for Fusatsu. Uh, it keeps it real and not, it is a somber matter, but uh, it just, it's not funereal. Uh, life, is the intention of it all. So um, there was a lot of bowing and a lot of chanting. And, you know, um, as many of you know, the first part of the ceremony is doing the Gatha of Atonement. And the Fusatsu ceremony is really all about um, our atoning, um, becoming at one with all of 
our own greed, anger, and ignorance, and that of the world, and that of our ancestors, and the world's histories, greed, anger, and ignorance, and all of it that's yet to come along with what's happening right now. Um, and as we all know, the greed, anger, and ignorance is just flying around uh, wildly these days. Um, in some ways, I suspect, you know, that's always been true, but of course, right now, uh, it's at that very heightened peak. And there's so much to be angry about and to be looking to call people into account for and to make judgments and discernments about. But, you know, really, I think Fusatsu is really our opportunity instead of taking all of that and focusing it out on the world to really look at our own peace and all of it and to look at ourselves, you know, as it relates to the world and to ourselves and to those close to us and how that all spirals out, that it's really, it's a reminder that it really is not separate. And in tending to ourselves and our own capacity to do harm, we really are taking care of the world in ways that we don't even, we don't even realize. Um, so after acknowledging, you know, at least ceremonially, our greed, anger, and ignorance, you know, um, we then chant all the names of those energies of Buddhas of various states of compassionate enlightening awareness. And we recognize that actually we also have those and they are here, we go down to the ground, we meet this energy and we allow it to enter our bodies so that we can meet all the greed, anger, and ignorance um, within and without. And then we do the four vows and we vow to save all sentient beings. Um, and Fusatsu is the time that we talk about the precepts um, which really, you know, you could say are an expression of the functioning of the mind of Zazen. Um, I've come to think of them now almost. I think Shinryu, you use this expression of the soft bones or the soft skeleton, which I, I really love that. And I've been thinking them lately a little bit like almost the walls of the crystal palace. Um, 
they are here to really help us navigate and find our own way in, in a wild and unbound reality, really and truly. Um, and so they're really here to help us and to help us shed light on um, what we do to harm ourselves to harm and to harm others. Um, that we often don't see, you know, it's astonishing how much easier it is to see in other people uh, what we can miss, miss in ourselves. And I think it's important um, for me, this has been kind of helpful is to not see this as ways to get rid of parts of myself or aspects of myself um, and not to become someone else, but to actually become really acquainted with those parts of myself and to really acknowledge them and make space for them and to perhaps meet them in a different way. So that if I actually look at them and listen to them, I may not have to act them out blindly. Um, so, you know, I've noticed when I do uh, break the precepts, which, you know, is often, um, it gets more subtle the longer you practice. <laughs> but, you know, the propensity is, you know, of course, still there. Um, is to try to see that as an opportunity when I catch it to learn something about myself to see what's actually going on inside myself that I am acting or thinking or behaving in such and such a way towards other people. Because a lot of what we're doing here, you know, is about ourselves, but this is really puts the emphasis on how we are with ourselves so that in relation to other people. And it kind of really begs the question to look at that. So we can be, you know, for me, fear, uh, as any of you who know me, uh, doesn't take very long to know that's a real energy uh, for me, which uh, can cause me to lie can cause me to blame others, uh, can cause me to get angry and reactive, um, 
and I could go on, it probably could affect every single one of the precepts. And usually it's the most destructive to others and to myself when I don't recognize it as such, because, you know, I don't actually want to be scared and I don't want to see myself as scared. I'd like to think of myself as really strong and, you know, I'm very uh, admiring of bravery and, you know, nobility. So when I experience fear in myself, it can be very subtle, but I don't at the time often experience it as fear. You know, I might be very tense or I might just get really withdrawn or I might get really quiet and feel like I have nothing to say. And it's so subtle that it's not like there's things I wanna say that, oh, I'm just not gonna say. It's like, I will really go to that place of there's nothing to say. You know, it's so deep. But when I'm not feeling scared, usually I pretty much always have something to say. <laughs> but, um, you know, so where I'm going with this is that I've feel like the precepts can help us to maybe look at what are we may notice though that actually well i've been really withdrawn or um, god did i really say that to that person or am i really thinking that about this person over there rather than turning the onus on what's out there to get interested in God, why am I thinking this? And what is going on inside of myself that I am um, going down this train of thought, even if I'm not acting it out um, energetically and emotionally, like what, what is going on here? And, you know, this is where the mind of Zazen, uh, going to that place of not knowing really, and just opening and simply being present to maybe energetically what's happening in the body or the frequency of what's happening in my mind, does it feel very tight? Does it feel open or maybe it's sadness? Um, to use what's happening in my relations and how I'm viewing what's happening outside in a way as another mirror um, to see to see inside myself. And um, the point of this is not to blame ourselves, but to actually make space 
because usually when we actually see it uh, and perhaps see the sadness that's underneath it or see the fear that's underneath it or the disappointment or the feelings of not being enough, whatever it is, rather than viewing it with that energy of, I shouldn't be feeling it. I should not be feeling this way. I should be feeling otherwise or needing to change it to just, just let these feelings reveal themselves and see what's underneath them, where are they coming from? And that spaciousness, um, like all energies, when you give them the room uh, to unwind, if you will, uh, they do unwind. And then there's a clarity as the waters become more still. And, um, and you can go someplace new uh, inside yourself, even with and especially with the same old stuff, because it is the same old stuff. But we do change, and every time we meet it, we can meet it things a little differently. And as we do that, they shift, and we shift, and they shift, and the world shifts, and everything's shifting. Just like when you're staring up at that Buddha next to those flowers, sitting very still, everything is moving. When you actually really just look at this Buddha, everything is moving. Um, so I thought I would just leave you with a poem. I have no idea what time it is, but this is very short that I loved by this very old, well, she wasn't, well, she did live to be quite old, but this woman who became a potter uh, in Japan back in the 1500s, which was, as far as I know, not typical. And her name was Rengetsu and she made beautifully wonderful pots. And uh, she wrote this poem called Oni, which is, I've talked, I've mentioned this before, but Oni are ferocious goblins or are demons, really, if you will. And she says, do not resist, Ms. Oni. Open the lotus inside and overthrow all the demons in your heart. So I would say not overthrow them, but just maybe make room for them.